Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, women and men who are listening. If you don't fall into those two categories, well, you're incapable of listening. But I'm glad to have you here. Lisa, we'll get to you in a second. do want to let folks know if they want to get in on the conversation, they're welcome to do so by calling us at 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110 here at News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm your guest host, Chad Adams, singing for Pete Callender. Lisa, welcome to the show. How the heck are you on Hour 2? Oh, I'm I'm pretty good. I like the weather. It's a little warmer, but um, <laughs> yeah, you were you were talking about um, the liberalism in Raleigh. Um, you were mentioning Josh Stein, Josh Stein, but um, also Governor Cooper. I mean, I just um, I think ever since he's been in there, he has been one of those people, like you mentioned, who caters to um, the universities in that area and maybe some of the larger cities. And that's just how I see him. I think he's very left leaning. Um, so I agree with that. And Josh Stein, it sounds like it maybe is, is even worse. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think I think Governor Cooper is a product of a bygone era. I mean, he came through the era of, of Mark Bass Knight and Jim Black. He came through the era of the kind of the good old boy Democrat Party here in North Carolina. It's funny he complains about gerrymandering. His party, you know, created that crazy district that ran from Greensboro to Charlotte down the I eighty five corridor. So it's hard to take him seriously sometimes when he when he when he screams about stuff. It's the same governor, and I do think you're right. This is a governor he's from down east, Nash County, it's where a lot of the, the Democrats have come from, and uh, he has not really taken the mantle of what he said. It's almost like he just says things to pander to groups. Uh, the the yeah. education alliances, you know, the the UNC schools is I have four. He's he uses the phrase investment when he means taxpayer dollars. Josh Stein does the uh-huh. same thing. But it, whereas yeah. at least Roy Cooper grew up in Nash County in that part of the state and, and has some at least connection to North Carolina, Josh Stein, very different. Doesn't have the same oh. kind of even rural connection. So we'll see how that can plays I mean, out. But go ahead. Sorry, can, Lisa. Can I mention something else? Sure. Um, you were speaking about inflation. I'm going to slide into this little area. Um yeah, I agree. Like when I go to the grocery store now, I mean, uh, when I even buy a drink to drink at home, I'm I'm even careful with that because, um, I mean, it's like it went from like it's triple what it was. Um, a loaf yeah. of bread has gone up incredibly. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. But here in Charlotte, I just want to mention that we have so many people that have moved in and so much development. I mean, it's impossible for this place not to be inflated. And in South End of Charlotte, which is where I live, they're getting ready to put in another. Um, I think 900 unit place out um, in Piper Glen area, and there are a lot of opposition to it. There's 18,000 people that have signed a petition to try to stop it. There's a bald eagle that's there. I don't know if, if y'all reported that on here or not, but a nesting bald eagle has been there for a long time next to the golf course, and I know there's. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I I live at the coast, so and and Lisa. 
I appreciate you calling. Uh-huh. I live at the coast. We have bald eagles now down here. We've never had in my lifetime. And, right. you know, seeing them around, it, where the, now I'll say this. Let me, may I push back on you a little bit on the development side? Development in and of itself doesn't make things more expensive. I mean, some people could argue, and I would be one of them, is that sometimes having more competition actually make, makes prices go down. If you had too many houses in your area, there would be too many, and they would be keep competing for X number of dollars, and the prices of housing would come down. You live in a very desirable area, so more people want mm-hmm. to live there. There's more opportunity, more jobs, more things to do, more shopping, et cetera. So you look at Gaston County, Cabarrus County, Union County, these outlying areas that are basically suburbs of Mecklenburg and of Charlotte that are growing. You look yeah. at Huntersville and uh, Lake Norman. These areas are growing by leaps and bounds, and people are making money. If, if you had property, if you had property, do you think you should have a right to sell that property and make money off of it if it was well, your farm? I do. I do, except that I think our government has an obligation to also retain uh, some of our own character. In other words, our government can buy preserves. They can have, they already have some bikeways and things like that, greenways. But they just need to do more of that. We need more parks. We need more preserved areas. And some of the historical structures that they tear down, they should be careful with. I'm a native Charlottean. My people right. came here, you know, decades ago, centuries ago. Um, so well, I a lot of my family is is from that area. So and, and I... I would say that that a lot of neighborhoods now they do they're building their own walkways they're building their open space areas and and a lot of the development ordinances are requiring that and developers are wanting that because that's a desirable thing like you said people want to be able to have a walkable neighborhood they want to be able to get out and do things right. and, and do things safely right. with their kids so uh, hopefully the market addresses that I get that a lot of people get afraid but North Carolina is a desirable place to be low taxes low crime, fairly low crime, except for the inner city areas, and and great climate. As you said, you like it a little warmer. If you're in Buffalo yeah. or you're in <laughs> Philadelphia, you don't like that. You want to be in a place, and you don't want to have to go all the way to Florida to do it. So you kind of half back it here in North Carolina. So I, I hear yeah. what you're saying. Right. I will so thank you. Let me say it. Lisa, I appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being a part of the okay. audience and calling in. Chris, welcome to the program. How the heck are Chris, are you there? I am here, sir. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, and uh, I appreciate your voice on the radio here. I just had to call in. Tom had me pulling my hair out over here, trying to listen to him. You know, he comes off as a moderate man with reasoning and all this, and then he starts talking about what he does when it comes to voting, and it turns out he's an extremist, and he's a minister. It's where where it, this is like Tom. If you're listening. I got to tell you, buddy, you are why there's more black babies being aborted than born right now. There's no men left in the black community to stand up for these little babies. And I, I, it just blows my mind that he can't say, look, that's murder. I'm going to, you know, oh, it's not up for me. I can't say. Well, then who? There's nobody left to stand up for these little babies. I'm talking about late term abortion. You can't even say it's wrong. Yeah, like, I was, I'm, my mind is blown. Josh Stein is a man of character, and Mark Robinson. I got news for you, Tom. Mark Robinson going to be your next governor. He got more votes than the governor when he ran for lieutenant governor last time. So I'm all for Mark Robinson. He didn't say LGBT, lesbian and gay people can't live. This man Tom says that they can't even be or exist. 
If Mark Robinson's governor, that's ridiculous. He's just not going to promote it. He's not going to have our children sitting on laps in libraries of, tra- of you know, for, for a training story hour. I mean, this guy is standing up for our rights. He's a man. He's going to stand up, and he's going to offend some people. But guess what? I'm for him. He is exactly what this I've been to. I've been to his rallies already. I've been to a dinner. I'm all for Mark Robinson. I can't wait to vote for Mark Robinson. He's a man that a guy like Tom would probably think that Mark Robinson should have been aborted the youngest of nine growing up in the ghetto with an abusive father. So I, I, I'm just all for Mark Robinson. I can't say enough good things about the man. I can't wait to vote for him. Well, Chris, I appreciate you calling in. I, I, I was kind of nonplussed on when he said he was a minister and I asked him specifically about abortion. He said, well, God says thou shalt not kill, but he wouldn't say it. And as a minister, what he's, church, man, make sure I stay yeah. away from that church. Well, I appreciate, man, I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate the diversity of opinion out there. Thank you so much. And we're back. Here on the air, 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110, the phone number here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Appreciate you being a part of our broadcast. Now, I appreciate all the phone calls so far, even, even Tom's. And, and Chris is illustrative of the frustration many conservatives feel when they hear someone like Tom, who is, you know, said he was a minister. And you wonder how, and, and, and look, I'll, I'll go back to, my personal decision to register as a Republican was because I had conservative values. And also when I was 18, I had to register for selective service. And I thought about who would I want to have, you know, a a commander in chief that would have the ability to call me up to defend the nation, a nation I would be proud to defend. And that was an easy choice for me. At the time, you know, Reagan was president and I was like, yeah, definitely. I'd much, much rather that. But when I, through the evolution, and you saw this a lot when Rush was still alive, and, and, and I find in my experience that when dealing with people like Tom, what, what I find is underneath the surface, they really are conservative. They don't realize how conservative they are. He's a minister. He sat there and said God said abortion was bad, but it wasn't his place to say. Well, he is, he is the representative in front of his congregation about that value system. And what you find when you talk with with a lot of progressives like that is you go issue by issue by issue. And you often find that many more of their issues are conservative than liberal. And I say that because especially those who have a Christian look and feel, because they go back and said, you know, Jesus said this. And Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor, love your friend, take care of people. He didn't say Rome should take care of all of this, which at that time would have been the government. The oppressive government was Rome. Nowhere is there proselytizing about the role of government. It isn't. And that's the, the real issue that I think a lot of Christian progressives have, have a problem. They can't reconcile their internal mechanization, their internal way of looking at things with the reality of their faith. Because their faith would say, we have an obligation to go out volunteer. We have an obligation in our local communities to get involved and do things and make things better, love our fellow man, love, it, love ourselves, things like this. But instead, they project that value as, it, as the government's job to take away things from people who earn it and redistribute those things to people who don't. And that is charitable. They see government as the extension of charity, and it's not that way. That's not the role of government. That's one of the main problems in society today is people's perception that government is charity. And it's not. It was never designed to be that way, not in the beginning. And we got way off track. 
we started going down that path. We come back from World War II and, and our nation's looking at different things. The Social Security kind of started the program of going that way. And then we've ended up with the Great Society on the heels of that in the 60s. And, and now we find ourselves where a lot of people say, and if you look around, look at involvement, the volunteer level of your communities, it's dying. Look at your line. Look at all of your animal clubs. That's the lions, the moose, the elks. They're dying off. The JCs are pretty much done for. That was the National Junior Chamber of Commerce. Hardly any of those left. Because people are indoctrinated to believe, hey, government, they see, they see somebody on the street, that government will take care of that. There's a shelter. There's, there's, a government, there's a government program for that. And that's one of the most serious detrimental perspectives we have. And so when someone like Tom calls up and says, I'm a minister, I support Josh Stein, and you confront them on the abortion issue, not even confront him in a negative way. Anyone who heard that exchange, I ask him. And he said, God said it's wrong. He, as a minister, wouldn't really address the issue. And Josh Stein and Governor Cooper have not addressed that issue. Do they think it goes up and until birth? And they, they will not. They call it reproductive freedom. That is their take on things is that it's about reproductive freedom. And I have to tell you, no, because that's, a, again, if you look at what they say, it's poll tested. They do a poll. They don't want to call it abortion. They don't want to call it late-term abortion. They want to call it reproductive freedom, to which I would say nobody is preventing people from reproducing. Nobody is stopping you from reproducing. You want to have a kid? Go have a kid. It's funny that the people who really do want to stop reproduction are the, abor the, the abortion zealots who think that's the single most important issue ever and the global climate do doom, the cult of climate doom that is out there proselytizing that you really shouldn't have kids because of the impact on the planet. And, and there, there are, believe it or not, if you, if you have kids that are maybe 25 or younger, I'll guarantee you they or their friends have that exact perspective. They've got angst and anxiety about having kids because they're very concerned that, uh, that they, don't, they don't want to have kids because they're scared it'll destroy the planet. And the best thing they can do is not have kids. That's a left-leaning climate cult of doom brainwashing that is taking place at our universities, in our high schools, and the same transgender ideology that's projecting this kind of weirdness onto five-year-olds. It's saying they have the right to pick their own gender. It's a social construct. No, it's not. It's a biological one. And biology is what it is. You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but it is what it is. Special shout out to a couple of listeners out there. Neil, appreciate uh, you listening and, and the, the shout out you gave me online. Thank you so much for that. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Hopefully we'll return soon, feeling a little under the weather. And do appreciate all of you being a part of the broadcast here at News Talk 1110 wbt If you would like to get in on the conversation, give us a call at 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110. You move right to the front of the line, regardless of the topic of the day that I may be discussing. And that is always the case when the microphone is in front of me. Now, it, we were talking about kind of some of the nutty perspectives that are held. You know, when I, when I look at what the the left kind of aspires to to be, a, a lot of the, the the stuff that we will look back on the transgender issue, the women in the men competing against women, kind of the LGBTQ plus AING. On you know in schools and stuff like this, we'll look back and we'll we'll think there was some kind of madness that had taken place. You've heard me say that if you've listened to me a few times, you know I've said that. I'll give you another example of of this 
because before we went to the break, we talked. I talked about the fact that when you engage with progressives and if they do have any kind of Christian background, they project the charitable endeavor of humankind vis-a-vis government actions. And that's how they feel like they reconcile their Christian faith with being a progressive because they see the government as the arbiter of their faith, which it isn't, and nowhere is it spelled out that way, but they've interpreted it that way. And instead of saying, hey, we all have a responsibility, they see it as the government's responsibility. It's just not. But we'll look, we will look back on some of this and think how bizarre it is. So here's one today from the Daily Mail. It's actually, you can find it in several sources, but this is the one I'm going to go with. U.S. government paid for 200. Now, I, I, I'll preface this by saying we have so much time that we love to major in minor things. Another thing you've heard me say, we have so much time. So many people do because we don't have the kind of struggles we had with smallpox and and the Oregon Trail and 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 just surviving. And, and instead of a 40-hour work week, when you had a 68, 120-hour work week, or God help you, you lived on a farm and you worked six days a week. You were thankful for that one day to get some rest. And even those days, sometimes, depending on the weather, you had to work. So now we have an abundance of time. And I think that that has created, one, an elevated sense of self, this kind of narcissistic viewpoint that my opinion is better than yours. I'm not going to pretend that. I think your viewpoints are extremely important. I love policy. I love doing this. That is my love and my passion. doesn't mean that, that I'm better than any of you. But I also take the time to study and research it. I don't just throw it out there and say, I'm right, you're wrong. But we get into these discussions, and I think that we, we rationalize absurd positions. You know, gender is only a social construct. That's absurd. A lot of the climate change stuff, it's good to study the science. It's good to know the impacts of a changing world. But to assert that you have all the answers when you can't get a five-day weather forecast right is absurd. You don't know. You don't know. You can say you think you know, and you. but when you start enacting all these crazy things and destroying people's lives in the process vis-a-vis policy, you have hurt people. And you don't know that that policy did any good. And a lot of times it's counterproductive. It achieves just the opposite of what you want it to. I think we will rue the day with a lot of these electric batteries because we're using government to prop up something that heretofore isn't a free market principle. And when government goes down that road, it almost always ends badly because it wasn't determined. But it's the same thing with solar. Solar was propped up for so long, it didn't evolve the way it should have. We'd be light years ahead of, ahead of where we are if we hadn't subsidized and propped up and used government to prop up solar. Same thing with cancer research. When the U.S. government got involved in cancer research, it slowed it down. It didn't speed it up. Going to the moon, very different. A lot of private companies got involved in it. Now, this is where I say we have too much time. We start majoring in minor things. We, We push out things that are ridiculous. And instead of focusing on solving problems, which the government does a terrible job of, we waste money on things that aren't problems and make things out of them for the sake of doing it, I guess. But this is going to infuriate you, or it should. I think it should. The U.S. government paid for 256 pregnancies among transgender men between 2014 and 2018, costing taxpayers around $5 million. The U.S. taxpayers spent millions funding the pregnancies of transgender men, according to data. A recent study by the University of Mich- Michigan researchers found there were 1,907 births among people who were born biological females, but who identified as men. In other words, they thought they want to identify as men, but they want the benefits of being a woman with the biology to give birth. And so 
when they went through this process, because they've altered themselves artificially, they still have the parts. And so it costs a lot more money for them to have children as quote unquote men, but they're not men, they're women. Of the total, 256 trans men were issued insured under Medicaid, a government program. So when Roy Cooper expanded Medicaid, this is one of the things you're going to get, provides health insurance to people with limited income, which is funded by Americans. The average cost of childbirth in the U.S. is around 19000 meaning the deliveries would have cost taxpayers around $4.8 million. It's, it's just a bizarre. Becoming pregnant as a trans man is possible because they're not men. They're women. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible if the person still has their female reproductive organs. In other words, it's possible if they are still women. And while the hormone therapy trans men take to transition will block the person from having a menstrual cycle, it is not birth control. The hormones do not prevent pregnancy, and trans men are able to conceive and carry a pregnancy to term. Why? Because they are women. How did they get pregnant? Hmm. Pregnancy options remain the same as cisgender women. In other words, and I, love the, I love the utilization of these phrases. Pregnancy options remain the same as women including sexual intercourse with a partner with a penis or through fertility assistance, like in vitro. Medical experts, however, recommend trans men stop taking their testosterone hormone therapy during pregnancy because it can be toxic. In other words, artificially making yourself a man while you're pregnant as a woman is toxic to your unborn child. It's abusive. Isn't that amazing? Michigan Research, which was quietly released in May of last year, sought to analyze the outcomes of pregnancy among transgender men compared to outcomes of, and I love they call them cisgender. It's just normal gender. They don't need to call them cisgender. It's, it's these, that's what part of we will look back on and say, really, you guys started coming up with 56 different phrases to identify men and women differently or not women or cisgender or not. They looked at medical records. The, the researchers analyzed all de deliveries through that five-year period. From the Medicaid and commercial insurance databases, they looked at medical records and identified patients with male gender at the time of delivery who suffered from gender dysphoria. Now, if you're suffering from something, then the fix isn't necessarily to change your sex, is it? It's to, to give you assistance, not necessarily to change your sex. 256 trans men who gave birth while insured through Medicaid. 1,660 covered by commercial insurance. And, and there's all these – I can't make this up. I didn't make it up. It is what it is. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Chad Adams, your guest host, here on WBT. 
Sitting in for Pete Callender, who's a little under the weather. Hope he returns soon. But always a pleasure and enjoy it here on News Talk 1110-993. If you would like to get in on the conversation, 704-570-1110. 704, you know your area code. 570-1110. But we do have listeners. I appreciate those in, in various counties that have uh, chimed in. I appreciate the show, the folks from Brunswick County as well that have uh, said some nice things. And, and out there in uh, Belmont. So appreciate that. And by the way, appreciate the comment from Belmont. It said... Uh, it was it was a comment about an earlier comment about the AG and and a very good one and, and Neil thanks for the for the note that said why would you want a governor who is the chief executive of the state that doesn't want to enforce the laws just because he personally disagrees with them which is what Josh Stein has done on a number of occasions so an interesting uh, perspective on that one there now before we went to the break we were talking about this transgender pregnancy stuff and. How laughable this will be when we look back. It'll be the pet rock. You remember the pet rock in the 70s? For those of you, it's a rock. It's in a box. Look at my pet rock. It was a trendy, cool thing to do. I think a lot of this gender ideology stuff is just trendy, like bell bottoms. I don't know. Bell bottoms are coming back a little bit. But maybe it's maybe it's like a just a, a social, a, a bizarre way for people to feel good about themselves and instead of helping people, a lot of the people that are that they want help, and it's, they're, instead of getting them help, we're encouraging them to do these disastrous things to their body that that many ultimately regret. And I'm not being mean. I think these folks need more counseling. I think there's a number of things, but we, it shouldn't. It's not encouragement that you need. If you wanted to be a pine cone, I shouldn't encourage you to say go be a pine cone. Go climb up in a tree, sprout and jump out. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't encourage somebody. If they identified with a paintbrush, you wouldn't say stick your head in a bottle of paint. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't encourage somebody to do those kind of things. So the fact that we've gone moon bat crazy with this, bat guano nut, to say, hey, go alter yourself. Take all these hormones. Do all this to your prepubescent teen. Do this to your kid. Let your kid at five and six determine their gender. It is what it is. We weren't born a bunch of eunuchs out there. We were born the way we were born. And we're, the same thing with it's the same kind of ideology that believes the Constitution doesn't say you have the right to all be equal. It says you are created equal in un, it doesn't say in unequal ways, but that's what it means. And that you have the right to pursue happiness. You have the right to to try to pursue things. And we as a society have an obligation at the human level, individually, to help our fellow. Humans, And it's okay to say mankind. It doesn't relegate or anyone. You don't name ships after women because it's a sign of disrespect. It's just the opposite. We used to name them hurricanes, but we didn't. Remember when hurricanes were hurricanes, but it wasn't H-E-R. It was always hurricanes. We named them women. Powerful, the most destructive force on the planet Earth. You named after women, and somehow that was derogatory. And so now we have hemicanes. It gets a little absurd. So the transgender issue is one that I, I, I am sincere in thinking we will look back at some of this and think what what you know our grandchildren will go, really? Y'all 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 thought that was important? Would it be neat to be able to read a history book from a hundred years from now and see how this period of time, you know, we already the political correctness stuff largely went away. Now it's a cultural appropriation, but that's dying off. That's not as trendy and popular. And even the way we look at race, we're the least racist we've ever been. At the same time, we've got people on the left saying that uh, white supremacy is the single greatest threat to, to the country, other than climate change, of course. None of which is true, by the way. 
We are the least racist we've been. Do instances happen? Yeah, but not like they did. And it's largely frowned upon. And, and it's just bizarre. And even the southern border, we, we, have, we have to have frank discussions about what's going on there. Now, I was, I was reading in the break, by the way. I got thrown off because I, I, I love to read what uh, our illustrious governor writes on Twitter because he, we used to make fun of him because he would speak or his staff would speak of him in the third person, but it would come from his. And so the governor today, it would come from at Roy Cooper, you know, at Governor Cooper, or North Carolina Governor Cooper. And, and you would read it, and it would be in the third person. And many of us out there, myself included, were saying, why do you keep referring to yourself in the third person if you're writing this? So then they changed and said, well, anything that the governor actually writes will have the initial RC next to it for Roy Cooper, that he actually wrote that. Now, Team Biden, and, and I, I just cracked myself up in the break, because Team Biden he clearly doesn't write. I don't know that Biden knows what Twitter is. And you hear it in his speech. And when they try to write it, it comes across as awkward. Because, you know, when if I were to put a teleprompter in front of you and give you a concept to discuss, even though it was on the teleprompter, but that you didn't fully understand, it would come across as gimmicky. And it would come across, you, you would see that it didn't fit in. It would be like if you put a teleprompter in front of your grandfather or grandmother and had them start reading about Snapchat, they would have no idea. What, but they would be reading it. And you can tell that sometimes when the news people will read stuff and they get the they get the concept wrong, and you can tell they don't understand what they're reading. Team Biden does this all the time. So they put stuff online that clearly he didn't write, that there's no way he wrote. So here it is. Donald Trump stripped good-paying jobs and shipped them overseas for cheaper labor rather than pay workers a fair wage. Not anymore on my watch. We're investing in America and American-made products. Now, like, who writes this drivel? That's the tweet. Two hours ago from Joe Biden. He's not writing this stuff. I mean, would it be interesting? I mean, there's no doubt when you saw those mean tweets, you knew who wrote them, didn't you? <laughs> he didn't have to hide behind a persona. He wrote it. He wrote that stuff. Like it or not, he wrote it. And I think that's, see, we have, we have a governor that doesn't even write emails or text messages because he's afraid of how it might come across and be used against him. Instead of having the decency and courage to write his own stuff, Joe Biden very much the same way. He's the basement, the basement president. He's on vacation 400-plus days so far and counting in the fourth year of his presidency. It's not, it's not an administration where the buck stops here. In fact, the comments on the border that he's made lately, that they'll give me the power, give me the – wait, you rescinded all of the executive orders from the previous president. You did that. You absolutely did all that. So we'll see. Now, uh, I did want to did want to get to a, a lot more to get to. And I do want to get to the too much time on our hands. There's a great piece about that. And I, I want to get to and I don't know that I'll do this, but I want to start the process of explaining a little bit about what's happening in Texas right now. What's happening in Eagle Pass, by the way, Eagle Pass is roughly 56 miles from Del Rio. It's further down. If you were to look at Texas and you see that big hook. At the very top of that hook with the Mexican border, that's where Del Rio would be. You go about 56 miles straight down the Rio Grande, you get to Eagle Pass. And Eagle Pass is where, right now, the greatest standoff uh, between a state and the federal government is transpiring. It's, it's, it's at a park. I will get to all the details afterwards where the, the, the Texas governor has said, hey, we're going to protect this stretch of the river. We're putting barbed wire up. We're, it's our park. We're going to do this. A Supreme Court case came up and the Supreme Court said that Texas doesn't have the right to prevent the 
the, the federal forces from going into that park and having access to it, to which Texas says, oh, hell no, we're going to put up more barbed wire than 25 attorney generals across the state, across the country have said, we want to get down there. We want to defend Texas right to protect our country from foreign invasion. Of course, Josh Stein and Governor Cooper, deaf, mute, blind on this issue, don't seem to care, even though it is directly impacting North Carolina. It's impacting our communities. It's impacting our crime. It's impacting the death of our teenagers. And Roy Cooper, the aspiring governor, Josh Stein, are silent on this. They've said nothing. They don't seem to care about the southern border. And I say that because they haven't said anything. So we'll get to more details because I want to lay this out. And, And when you hear about the bipartisan plan, that's being crafted and you hear the myth that Donald Trump's trying to stop it. Donald Trump would like to have a real plan that stops it. Not the one that's been crafted in the Senate uh, does allow for up to 5,000 illegal crossings a day. It's, it's a number of things that are bad to which the speaker of the house has said, not just no, but hell no, we're going to have, we're going to stop whatever bill it, it's going to be. And it could be now, but it's going to stop the flow of immigration, of illegal immigration. We've got to stop it. We can't sit here and allow it to be, you know, a thousand people a day overwhelms the system. That's from DHHS. Obviously, we're, you know, 40, 50 fold that some days. But what they want to do is, and 5,000 a day is absurd before you call it a problem. Sorry, 5,000 allowed, 10,000 a day would be a problem according to the Senate plan, which has led to Lankford, the senator who helped put it together, being censured by his own state. It's, It's a bizarre world. But I want to get to some of it on the other side of the break in great detail. You're always welcome to call 704-570-1110. We'll be back right after this. Hour two finishing up. Hour three, getting ready to be underway. Chad Adams, your guest host here at the Pete Callender Show. Stay tuned. 